Philip and I are now joined by Rob Doster. He is a college basketball writer for NBC Sports and College Basketball Talk. He recently wrote an article about uh, Mike Boynton, Oklahoma State, and the uh, sanctions that were placed against them last Friday. Uh, a postseason ban, loss of scholarships, fines. And uh, he is joining us now to talk about the article and what comes next for Oklahoma State. Rob, thank you for joining us. No problem, guys. What's going on? How are we doing? Oh, well, we're doing as best as we can trying to keep a straight face during all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. It's uh, it's wild. I did not expect uh, Oklahoma State to end up getting the postseason. Bang. You know, it's – it's. I guess we're, we're, we'll get into all this more in depth, but it's just – it's baffling to me that with the charges that they had levied against them, that this is what the NCAA decided to do and what the Committee of Infractions decided to hand out for a punishment because – I mean, when it comes down to it, it wasn't – the idea of punishing a team in a situation like this is because they cheated, right? And what's the definition of cheating? The definition of cheating is that you do something against the rules that benefits you and helps you win. And nothing that Lamont Evans did benefited the Oklahoma State program or made them better or helped them win. Uh, it wasn't a recruiting tool for them. It wasn't like he was uh, convincing these players to stay around for two, three, four years um, by with the money that he was giving them or anything like that. It wasn't uh, – nothing that was happening in this situation was for the benefit of Oklahoma State. It was all for the benefit of Lamont Evans. It was also he could line his pockets. It was also uh, he could have a little bit of extra spending money so he could have a little cash on him, whatever it was. Uh, Lamont Evans did this for Lamont Evans. He did not do this for Oklahoma State. And um, to me, I, I don't understand – how you're going to punish the program this severely when the, the, the violation that was committed um, was something that was not meant to benefit the program. It was simply a guy trying to line his pockets. It just, it, the, I don't, I don't understand the, the logical path that the NCAA made the committee on infractions made to get from Lamont Evans was taking bribes to, okay, we're going to punish a bunch of guys that had nothing to do with this uh, and ban them from the tournament. For a year. So let me give the uh, NSFW warning now. Uh, to our listeners, if you have children at home and you have this playing in the car, um, earmuffs or just save it for work and headphones. Um, so, so my 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 reaction. I'm curious your thoughts. I I think we all agree that the punishment does not fit the crime. This is like sending a couple to jail because the guy who used to rent the above garage apartment from the couple who used to rent own the house uh, sold meth out of it, and now you're being punished for it. Um, this feels like that the NCAA had an FBI case that, let's be honest, floundered a bit. Um, was supposed to have be this giant wave in, in, in ending corruption in college basketball, remake what we understand college basketball to be, make it this fair, great, amazing, kumbaya, Pleasantville sort of thing, which is unrealistic in the beginning. Uh, and the NCAA feels so much power. Their dicks are so hard at, at what they think they have at the evidence that they think that they have, that the opportunity to come down on school, something that they have basically been accused of not doing, which is half true and half incorrect. Uh, they've, they've got power five schools that they can actually go after and punish to you know, cut down on the cheating that we all know is going on in the sport, basically. But to come at a school, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it does. This is not about Oklahoma State. This has nothing to do with Oklahoma State. You could have put Wake Forest here with the situation. You could have put Washington State with the situation. You could have put uh, any other school that's not a, hasn't been successful over the last decade 
Um, and I don't think it matters who the team, the school is. Um, they are they are out for blood. They're out to show off how powerful they are. They are this this is the movie blank check. They can do whatever they want with as much money as they want. They can, they don't give a shit who it is, and they don't give a shit who they're down on the way because they have the power and ability to do what they want, and they are power hungry and cannot wait to show it off. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> you took it a step farther than I probably would have taken it, but I, I definitely think that this is something where the NCAA is trying to make an example out of everybody that was involved in this, and I, I think um, it's I think it's also fair to say that the the one year postseason made up like Georgia Tech got um, last year for the violations that they committed might have been a little bit excessive, um, and I do think that it's the NCAA trying to make a little bit of show of force and saying. You know, you got to follow our rules, and when you don't follow our rules, there are actually going to be punishments and repercussions, and uh, this, that, and the third. It's just I don't, I don't understand how they can say that. I, I just don't understand why it makes sense to come down with this level of punishment um, for the entire university as a whole, and for this entire athletics program as a whole, and for the basketball program um, when what literally happened was one guy just trying to get rich himself, trying to make money for himself. And um, I mean, he wasn't even trying to get rich. It was what it ended up being like $18,000 between like 18 and and, and 22 or something like that. Yeah. So, so he took enough to like buy himself a a used Dodge charger. And then that's basically what he was doing. And, and it was all for him. Again, it was all for himself. Like you mentioned cheating. We threw the word cheating out there. And when I wrote this column, a lot of the responses that I got uh, were people saying like cheaters need to be punished. Well, look, they weren't cheating. Oklahoma State was not cheating. Lamont Evans was not cheating here because the definition of cheating is doing something where you're breaking the rules to help yourself win and to give yourself an advantage over the competition to win the, the game, to win whatever you're doing. And that's not what happened here. They, like the, Nothing that Lamont Evans did had any impact on stuff that actually happened on the court. All he did was take some money to try to exert influence over athletes that trusted him. And, and if we're going to be honest – if we're going to be honest here, the people that were the victims of the crime, and yes, crime, literal crime that Lamont Evans committed was Jeffrey Carroll and P.J. Dozier. We're the guys that, that trusted him enough to listen to him when he said, you should go to these financial advisors. Because he knew nothing about them beyond the fact that they were willing to throw some money at him to recommend them to players. And if he had known anything about them, then he would known that Marty Blazer, the guy that was involved in this bribery, the guy that was giving him money, one of the people involved in this this uh, this financial advisor firm, was a guy that had embezzled $2.35 million from uh, a bunch of professional athletes for the firm that he ran uh, in Pittsburgh. Though he's the reason all of this started. Like I, People don't realize that. Like Marty Blazer was caught by the SEC and the FBI embezzling money to make movies with like Misha Barton and Devin Sawa. I'm not even joking. Like he made some mafia. I think it was actually called Mafia. It has an IMDb page and it had Misha Barton and Devin Sawa in it. And it was a total flop. He lost all this money and he was caught by the SEC and the FBI and he flipped because he didn't want to go to jail. And he said, I can give you uh, college basketball. And then he met Christian Dawkins and, and um, kind of created this entire thing out of basically uh, nothing. So it, it's, this was not something where Lamont Evans was trying to, to better the Oklahoma State basketball program. He was trying to better Lamont Evans. He was lining in his pockets, uh, committing a crime against players on these teams um, to better himself. And I don't understand how uh, – let me phrase it like this. I don't know what else Oklahoma State could have done in a situation 
to prevent it, right? Like maybe you don't hire him, but you know what? Every once in a while, someone's going to hire a guy that is going to go out and break a law, right? Like, are we going to punish um, uh, like a university because someone in the, 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 the athletics department gets a DUI? Like that's kind of what this whole situation is, right? Like, are you going to like, are, are you going to punish a law firm because um, one of the lawyers was like taking bribes or something like that? Like, I, don't, I just don't understand like how you get from, this guy that committed a literal, literal felonies. He did three months in jail. Um, and I don't know how you go from, okay, Lamont Evans was doing something for Lamont Evans to we're going to punish the Oklahoma state basketball program. If it's, if it's anything other than we need to make a statement. So that's where I'm at with it. So I know Joe wants to talk about um, players, but I, I'm, I've, I've had another thought that's been going through my mind. It's this Oklahoma state is the, as far as I understand, the only school that when, when they were, given the notice of allegation, the level one violation, um, didn't appeal the violation in the first place. They said, we look at the evidence. Um, this seems factual. Um, we understand that this is what happened. Um, we see no fault with us. We thought that it was more about him. Um, so they skipped the appeal and put all the work and effort into working with the NCAA to come to what I my guess is they felt was um, in good faith to come to a, a quick and swift conclusion so that they could move past this and it wouldn't be hanging over the program anymore. Because this has been going on for a few years now. Like this is, it's, they want to be past it. So working with the NCAA to try and get past this, believing that the evidence showed that Oklahoma State, because the NCAA themselves said there was no recruiting benefit, that Oklahoma State didn't have a um, loss of program control. Like Oklahoma State did not have a benefit to this. The only thing is that they happened to have him on staff for six months. That was about it. Um, and well, it was he was on staff for eighteen okay, months. He 18 was the associate head coach for six months. So, eighteen months. Um, did this two started somewhere else and brought it here? This is obviously more about him than about us. Let's work with them, and then they get this as the punishment for doing so. Um, if if you're anyone who has to deal with the NCAA, like basically everybody else who's got a level one violation at this point. Why in the world would would you ever want to work with the NCAA moving forward if this is what they're going to do to a school that does look more like the victim than the criminal and try to do things the right way? Well, I, that's that's why everyone's thinking that Kansas is going to end up having just some massive violation and then or some massive sanctions. And the the craziest part about it is that if you go back and, and you kind of listen to what um, the committee on Actions spokesman, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, like Larry Parkinson, I think his name Something is. Something like that. Uh, he came out in one of the uh, the press conference, like phone calls, the conference calls that they had um, after all the stuff was announced on Friday. And he basically said the reason why Oklahoma State only got a one-year postseason ban is because they they uh, decided to comply and, and um, work with the NCAA on all this. So it could have been even worse. You know, this this could have been something where if, if Oklahoma State had decided not to be as forthcoming as they were, uh, they, they might have gotten an even worse punishment. So uh, when they have one level one violation and they could have gotten more than a one-year postseason ban if they fought it, and Kansas has five level one violations and is laughing in the NCAA's face and doing everything they can to uh, to fight this publicly, they're gonna, I'm assuming that lawyers are going to make millions and millions of dollars fighting this in court, for Kansas, like, what do you think the NCAA is going to do with them? Like, how can they go high enough on on Kansas where it makes any sense? You know, Louisville committed their violations, like, while they were on probation. I think if you go back and you look at the calendar, I'd have to double-check on this. But um, when 
the NCAA announced that they were taking down the 2013 national title banner. And the day that Brian Bowen actually committed to Louisville were like two days apart. Like they got Brian Bowen um, two days after this announcement was made and they got Brian Bowen in part because of that $100,000 deal. So they were negotiating all of this while the NCAA was announcing that they were going to come down and uh, they were going to come out and, and take down a banner for Louisville. So like if that is happening, What's going to happen to Louisville? Like, how do you not hammer that program? So um, if, if, and if you're going to hammer that program and one level one violation that was not cheating, that did not actually benefit the basketball program could have gotten you more than one year postseason ban. If you did not help and did not be forthcoming with the NCAA, like how could, like, how is it possible that they can reach a punishment that is in any way, uh, you know, any way similar to what Oklahoma state got um, for Louisville or for Kansas without like, giving them a 15 year uh, postseason ban or something like that. It just, it, it the, let me, I, I think the best way to wrap it up is by saying that like the punishment here does not fit the crime. Uh, I, I don't think that Oklahoma state should like skate and get nothing. If they right. said that they're going to give them um, some recruiting restrictions and like you lose a scholarship and uh, you get 20 official visits instead of 25 or um, you lose like three recruiting days uh, when you can be on the road or whatever it is. Give them some kind of those like random sanctions, pull a scholarship. Like that's, that's fine. It's probably commiserate with what the actual violation was itself. You have to give them something. There was a guy on staff that was cheating. Um, or that's, I said cheating. There was a guy breaking on staff rules. that was actually breaking rules. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't understand why they've decided to come down the start. And here's the other part of it that really like frustrates me to no end is that the hardest thing for the NCAA to do is to actually punish the people that committed these violations, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, if you look at uh, like Brian Bowen is gone, like Kenny Johnson is gone, Jordan Fair is gone from Louisville. Like those guys are all all in the past. They're not going to they're they're never going to coach for Louisville again. They're never going to play for Louisville again. Um, if Louisville gets punished, it's the new staff and the new players. Like those guys are going to have to 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 pay the, the to face the brunt of the punishment and the sanctions for what people three, four years ago did. You know, it's the same thing with Oklahoma State. Kate Cunningham is the one that has to serve the punishment for what Lamont Evans did. And the hardest thing for the NCAA to do is to actually punish the people that committed these violations. Well, Lamont Evans, the one guy that is responsible for all of these violations, for everything that happened, not only did he get a 10-year show cost, not only is his career up in flames. Not only will he never be able to make anywhere near the amount of money that he was making to coach basketball ever again. He's never going to be a division one head coach. He's never going to be able to do anything at the college level again. I don't think that he's going to be able to get an NBA job after everything that happened. He's going to have to find a new profession and he did three months in prison. They, they punished the guy, the guy that was responsible got hit. His career is over. His life has been blown up and doesn't matter. They're still going to go out and they're going to punish Oklahoma State. Like they, they, they got the guy. The guy that was responsible for all this got punished. Like why are you also going to take an axe to, to Mike Boynton's, you know, his, the, the program that he's trying to build and the, the career that he's trying to build. And I, you know, I talked to Mike on Monday and uh, I basically told him like I just I, I feel bad for him because this is this was I don't want to call it the make or break year because I think that that's probably overstating it a little bit. But this is the year where you really build that momentum. Right, you kind of you're you're past all of this this NCAA and FBI stuff. You don't have to uh, recruit players that have other programs saying, "Oh, why would you go to Oklahoma State? They're not going to be able to play in the NCAA tournament." 
Um, you've got Cade Cunningham coming in. You've got shooters around him. Like, this is the year where you're actually able to start building your program towards what you want it to be and what you think it could end up being, uh, you know, at the top half of the Big 12 um, kind of a program, a team that consistently makes NCAA tournaments, a team that's in the top 25, um, you know, every other year or whatever it ends up being. Like, this is the year where you really start getting it going in the right direction. And all of that is just set on fire if they can't play in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't. I think it's too early to really speculate on, on what Cade Cunningham would end up doing. But if he doesn't end up going there, which, I mean, I, it's certainly a possibility, right? Like, so it, it's, it's just – I just feel so bad for Mike in this situation, man, because, you know, it, the, the way that he got the job um, – I mean, not to, like, dive too much into it, but, like, he was, he was just incredibly underpaid when he took the job. And, and they basically gave it to him as as something where it's like okay we can't get any of these people that we want we can't really afford to pay what we want to pay what, what would be a, a competitive salary for guys that we're actually um, really seriously looking at it so we're going to give it to mike boynton we're going to give him a shot we'll see what happens if it doesn't end up working out well can't be any worse off than we are when we're hiring him so maybe we just take a couple years and and uh you know save up a little bit of money and actually be able to pay the guy that we want to pay if this doesn't end up working out well out for him. I think he was making like seven hundred grand, wasn't it? That that his that salary. Right. His yeah. first it, was, it wasn't. It was less than a million. Yeah. 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 It was. It was something like that, which for a Big Twelve head coach is just like shockingly low. And like he's finally starting to get a little bit of foothold, right? Like like Oklahoma State was exciting to watch last year. They got they got some players coming in, and now all of a sudden you got the number one player in the country. And like I'm sure you guys are going to want to talk about this, but Kate Cunningham is awesome. You know, he's really really good, and uh, I, I think that. He's a guy that can, you know, maybe Grant Hill, maybe like Luka Doncic. He's like that kind of big six foot six, six foot seven kind of point forward kind of a player. And this is the year. Like this, this is the year for him to really make this program into something where it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe Gallagher Ibarina is awesome to play again. Maybe this is something where we're the best program in Oklahoma again. Maybe this is something where uh, we can we can start getting some of these recruits back. Some people start talking about, hey. Uh, you know, they, they, they were a lot of fun to watch when they had John Lucas. So this, I know I'm rambling, but like, this is the year and it's taken away from him. And I just, I hate that for him. And I think, cause you know, Mike's a good guy and uh, I, I do want to see um, good things happen for that program. And I think Oklahoma state is one of those schools where you say when they are good, college basketball is better for it. So uh, trust me when I tell you this, that I'm, I'm just as mad as all you Oklahoma state fans are. You know, I think it's really cool to hear because you're one of the first like national basketball media people that we've gotten to talk to on this podcast really about the how people view Mike Boynton in Oklahoma State. And I think the way that you talk about Mike Boynton, I think it says so much about who he is and it really just kind of validates our perception of him. We had the, we got the chance to talk to him right after the Big 12 tournament got canceled, like the day after shit kind of hit the fan with college basketball, season being canceled, all that stuff. Right. And we, it really validated the way that we feel about him. We want the success for him for other people that are outside of the Oklahoma State bubble to feel that way. I think that says a lot about who he is as a coach. Yeah, I mean, he's just, there's not a lot of BS with him, right? Like, he, you kind of, you feel like, and, and maybe this is just he's really good at, at hiding it and, like, the best coaches are the guys that can kind of BS you without you knowing that they're, they're BSing you kind of a deal, but like he's just he's just a really good guy like really easy to talk to and really easy going and really friendly and and um he's uh i remember so i did a big story in march on like the the number of of 
black coaches that get hired versus the number of black players in college basketball. And it ended up being like 3,500 words. And uh, Mike was one of the guys that I was talking to before. And then I basically told him, look, um, I, I, I want real stories from you. I want the truth. If you don't want me to put your name to anything, I won't put your name to it. But like, I can't, I can't, you can't write that story unless you get people to really talk about what's going on and not just kind of talking platitudes. And, and uh, he was like, there's nothing that I will say to you that like, I'm not going to say anything and not put my name to it. And that's one of the, I, I've always, always respected him after he said that, you know, there's not, there's, there's a lot of coaches that will, uh, that like getting quotes out there uh, from anonymous big 12 coach or anonymous, whatever, whatever coach. And uh, he just um, not always a guy that's going to do that. So I, I, I respected that about him. So you, you mentioned Cunningham and the players a little bit that are now affected by all of this. Um, we know of a few guys that have kind of pledged their loyalty that they're going to stay. Uh, Rondo Walker and Donovan Williams being the main guys out of the recruiting class that have said they are for sure coming to Oklahoma State. Isaac Likely has alluded to it. Uh, Farron Flavors, the graduate transfer from Cal Baptist, I believe, uh, that's coming in. Yeah, he's done it today. Isn't he? Yeah, he, so, he announced think, yeah. today. I saw Jeff Goodman had, had said that he is still honoring his commitment. Um so we're seeing some guys that are, are deciding to stay, and likely most guys are going to. Cade Cunningham obviously is the one guy that if they don't decide to come to Oklahoma State, I wouldn't blame him at all. Uh, he would be a lottery pick this season if he had the opportunity to come out. He's obviously going to be one next year. Boynton has talked about. They're going to legit be the one pick this year. Like yeah. it, that there's, there's so many questions about how good James Wise might end up being and how good. Anthony Edwards might end up being like I, Lamelo Ball. I think has a very high ceiling, but is a guy where uh, there you need to have him in the right system for everything to work out. There, there's a lot of distractions that could be involved in that situation. I'm sure everyone oh, sure. knows. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like Kate Cunningham, like it just you don't often get players that are his size, um, as switchable as he is as good defensively as he is or as he has the potential to be that can make the plays that he is able to make. Right. Like, I mean, uh, like everyone knows how good Grant Hill could have been if, if, you know, his ankles had uh, not fallen apart on him and everyone has seen how good Luka Doncic has been since he's gotten to the NBA and he's what, like 20, 21 years old. And so when I compare Kate, like put, put those three names in the same sentence, I don't, I know what I'm saying when I say I don't often, um, compare players like what, one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to NBA draft stuff and, and uh, all that, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of content are, are the comparisons that are just completely out of whack. Like I remember when Thon maker was 16 years old, people were like, yeah, he's the next Kevin Durant because he watched uh, some mixtape where he was playing like six foot one uh, kids when they, they had no business being on the same floor as him and crossed like two people up and, uh, there were people that were making that comparison with Bol Bol a couple of years ago. It just it frustrates me that there's a certain caliber of human being that you cannot compare just anybody to. And I think that Grant Hill and Luka Doncic are like borderline on that. And I feel comfortable enough in what Cade Cunningham can end up being to say that like he's got a very real chance to be one of those two guys. And uh, he's got a, if if he ends up at Oklahoma State, I think there's a very real chance that he could end up being a first team All American for. Him. So I'll kind of ask, do you think it's almost a foregone conclusion that he does go pro in some capacity, G League overseas, maybe just takes the year and just goes? No. Or do you think there is a real chance that he just honors his commitment, comes to OSU, lights the world on fire, and makes everyone go, well, thanks, we don't get to see this guy in the tournament? Uh, I think that there is a, a real chance that he ends up at Oklahoma State. Um, I would 
I think it's very, very likely that he ends up playing college basketball. Um, I know that he was offered uh, a spot on the G League select team when they were trying to recruit Jalen Green before all of this happened, and he turned it down. Um, the number that I was told is is similar to the amount that Jalen Green got. So, like, I think probably in that, what is a half million kind of a range. Um, and I was told today that he has gotten another offer from the G League um, to try to get him to go there now. And uh, the G League, from what I was told, is not – they're making the offer because they have to make the offer. They're not making the offer because they expect to be able to get him. Does that make sense? Um, and And I think that if you talk to most people – kind of in recruiting circles, their expectation is that Cade Cunningham does end up playing college basketball somewhere. Uh, if I, I had, like, I just think at this point, it's, it, it's really too early to speculate because I do believe that there is a very valid argument for Oklahoma State to be able to get this, this postseason band overturned. Like, you even you have uh, the, the law and order NCAA guys like Francis Schillens Seth Greenberg saying that this is not something that that is right. And when those guys are saying like uh, that, that rule breaking is the, the punishment is a little bit too hard. Then you know that you've gotten to a point where it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe the NCAA messed up on this. So um, I do think that there is a real chance that, well, maybe I think there is a very valid argument to be able to get this appeal um, turned. Now, will it happen? I don't know. If the NCAA is out to make a point, then they're out to make a point. No appeal is going to be able to do it. It's very hard because the thing about it is, like, if you go back and you read the, the punishment that they gave them, the, the NCAA acknowledged all of this. They were basically like, yeah, you know what? We know you, you, you did everything that you could to help us. Um, you did everything on the right timeline in terms of firing them. We know that this was – there was no competitive advantage. We know that this wasn't cheating and this was just some guy out in – uh, making some money for himself, but we don't really care. We're going to give you a one-year postseason ban. So uh, it's it's difficult. Normally when, when you win appeals, it's based off of a technicality. Like with North Carolina, they were able to get away with the, the whole um, fake classes thing because the actual – the NCAA has no uh, no leverage to be able to determine, like, what is a real class and what is not a real class. Like, they don't want to get into the, old, uh, the validating academics game. Uh, because there are things like accreditation services that are able to do that much better. Um, so North Carolina said, yeah, we accept that this is a real class and we'll deal with whatever we got to deal with when it, when it comes to our accreditation. And the NCAA had nothing, like they couldn't do anything about it. When it got to that point, there was absolutely nothing they could do if the school was saying that these were legitimate classes. And that is how, like, you have to have something like that, some kind of like legal loophole to be able to get some of these appeals won. Now, I think it's going to be very difficult to just say, uh, you know what, we were punished too hard and have that kind of a thing um, be something that convinces the NCAA. But I do think that there's a very valid argument. And, and, you know, maybe I'm too hopeful on this, I guess, but I just, I don't understand how there's the logical jump for me. You know, I know I'm saying this again, but the logical jump for me to get from, Hey, there was a guy on staff, that was committing federal crimes and, and accepting bribes and lining his pockets to, okay, we're going to punish, punish this organization or punish this basketball program that did everything the right way uh, and, and the way that they were supposed to when they found out about it. Um, I don't think that there's a logical jump there that I just can't make, but it seems like the NCAA has made it. And, and once you get to that point, I don't really know what you can do. Yeah, so it feels like OSU is going to have to lean on the, the points in the uh, appeal that the penalty is excessive. 
um, and are, are contrary to the evidence in the case. And that obviously you're also going to try and argue that, that Evans acted alone, his actions, as the instability said, uh, because the appeal you can't bring to evidence, but saying that his, his actions didn't benefit the program. So how can you justify a penalty of this nature against the program? Well, they, the, the problem is the NCAA acknowledged all of it. I know. And that's, that's, that's the problem. Now, I know that the... I know that the appeals board is not the same group of people as the uh, as the ones who handed the punishment. So your your thin hope is that those on the appeals board uh, uh, maybe do agree with the idea that the penalty didn't fit um, the crime. The problem is it's still the NCAA. So how how you know what do you which side do you really take? My my question is. To me, the the likelihood of the postseason ban being uh, overturned is not good. I don't I don't feel it strong. Um, uh, shout out to Jacob Unruh from the Oklahoman who did some research on on previous situations and and, and basically like two of twelve penalties in twenty eighteen and, and and two of uh, twelve penalties in twenty seventeen were overturned and they were adjusted more than just straight up overturned. Looking at uh, Looking at what happened with Stephen F. Austin and, and their whole situation and receiving a postseason ban, um, they self-reported some some issues that allowed some ineligible players playing across multiple sports over like a decade, and they have accepted a postseason ban. But their postseason ban was delayed. A few seasons, bas- men's basketball can wait until 2021, 2022 to take their ban and not have to do it this year. So my my question, and it would be, I think I don't know that I can find an example of this happening in a situation like this. If you're Oklahoma State and you can't get the postseason ban overturned, do you think there's a likelihood that they could convince the appeals board to delay the postseason ban, uh, which I think would be, it still sucks, but it's more fair to not screw over both the university who you basically said didn't do really anything wrong other than hire the guy, um, and the players who you say you're supposed to be here for the best interest of, um, from what would be a really terrible situation considering, A, uh, there's a recruiting moratorium, uh, it's not like even if they wanted the transfers, it's going to be easy for them to do so. Uh, and if they do leave, Oklahoma State is really up a creek without a pedal because they literally can't recruit anybody new to bring in. Is there an opportunity for them to try and delay the postseason ban for another season as opposed to having to take it this year? I guess that it's probably a possibility. Um, but, I mean, if you remember, I think, it, what was it, SMU in 2015, I believe, the year they had Nick Moore at the point. Uh, they were given a one-year postseason ban, and like, wasn't it in like late September? And um, and and they didn't end up getting that one overturned. So I, I don't. I guess it's something that's possible, um, but I like I don't think the NCAA would go that route. I think that what they would be more likely to do is say, okay, we're going to give waivers to everyone that is that wants to transfer out of Oklahoma State, which would just put uh, put put Mike Boynton's staff into an even tougher position. Can you imagine if they they end up saying that you, if you want to leave, you can get a you can be eligible immediately wherever you want to end up going? Like, are they going to end up having um, Cade Cunningham and nobody else on that roster? That's what it might end up being. I mean, <laughs> thanks, thanks, NCAA. Like, come out of retirement and uh, and start playing the shooting guard for him. Uh, just gonna have another situation with a bunch of walk-ons. It'd be Cade Cunningham, Isaac Likely. Uh, Donovan Williams and uh, Rondell Walker and, and like eight walk guys from the, you know, rec league at the university just hooping. Well, Cannon Cunningham is only like 27. So what you got to do is you got to, um, you got to create a fake identity for him. Like a fake 
profile and say that he's he's uh you know Cade Cunningham's twin brother or something like that and uh get him out there. I'm sure he can still play, man. He's still in shape. <laughs> see see if Keaton Page has any of his eight years like, eligibility, even though he was in school for like nine years. I know, right? I, I was shocked when he wasn't on the roster this year. <laughs> Hey, we had uh, Trey Reeves, uh, Big Country's son, on the podcast a couple months ago, and he said that he'll still shoot anybody out of the gym. Big Country? No, uh, Keaton Page. Oh, Keaton Page? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. There's little 5'9 guys that can shoot. Like, I'm sure he's just in the day, they're in the gym every single day, like on the gun, just getting shots up. What else does he have to do? <laughs> I'm a hope coach, but yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, um,. Yeah, I, Rob. I think I think you've answered all my questions, and I and I, had, I have no fault of your own. I don't necessarily come away from this interview feeling any better than I already did. Uh, although I do, it is nice to know that so many people agree with the idea that this is BS. Even if there are some national pundits whose names I will not mention: Gary Parish, Pat Forty, Pete Thamel, uh, who don't seem to be all that upset about it and seem to be okay with it. But I, I'm glad to hear that we have individuals like you who were kind of on Oklahoma state side here. They, so what did, I, I didn't see what, what Pat or Pete wrote. What did they say? Uh, it's less to do. So Parrish was, was the podcast. Uh, Pat and Pete were less. Um, I think the points were more like you wanted to crack down on cheating. This is what that looks like. Um, not necessarily like pro OSU deserved it more just like, Oh, well, like this is what was coming. Yeah, like yeah. tough. I got to listen to the to GP's podcast. I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah. He but he got that out. Like I'm sure I'm sure he's he's had a chance to think about it because like he 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 got that up. Like I think it was what the, like the sanctions noon and like twelve forty five. He's got a podcast up about it. I, that was it was like twenty and it was twenty minutes long too. Like did he just immediately just start going and talking? All the way through the press conferences, that was a. Uh, I was very impressed by the speed that he got that podcast. No, that was out. that was impressive, and generally, I, I'm a big I'm a big parish fan. I was a little bit surprised by his points, uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to listen to that and then call him on it for terrible takes. <laughs> there's nothing better. Like I I love GP, but there's nothing better than than um, like catching him. He's one of those guys where it's just when you catch him in something that's wrong. It should. It just makes your day. So I, I'm gonna have to listen to it and see if I can uh, find something that he got wrong. I love it. Yeah. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Go give a listen. Go, I, I was. I was as a fan of that podcast. I was a little disappointed. That's all I'll say. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rob, this has been awesome. Really appreciate your time. A ton of time. A lot of really interesting insight. Loved hearing your thoughts on Boynton. Like a ton. Uh, I think we all agree. Um, I almost think this has endeared and his, his comments uh, and props to him for going on, on on a variety of podcasts, including the one with Jeff Goodman and being as open and honest about his feelings about this. Um, I think he's only endeared himself even more to the Oklahoma State fan base to the point that even with a postseason ban this year, he's just bought himself a few more seasons as, as, uh, as a fan base being absolutely okay with him being the head coach, um, which is not something you usually expect to see when a when a school gets the penalties like this. Um, so it's, it is nice to hear um, some other national guys just, just have such a glowing review of, of your head coach. And, and the big thing I'll say is that um, like you cannot, 
I think you still need to give him another three years after this to really evaluate what he's gonna what he's gonna be and what he's gonna turn that program into. Because um, I think that you can make the argument that he's actually it, it hasn't been great, and I'm sure that it hasn't been as good as he's wanted it to be. Um, but I think he's he's done a pretty good job when you consider the fact that they were like tied up in this thing the the whole time, and he's had this uh, potential for sanctions hanging over his head as he's recruiting this entire time and um you know it, it hasn't been the easiest go trying to build that thing up from 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 the start and I'm not saying that like there's a guarantee that he's going to end up being uh you know as good as Eddie Sutton was at Oklahoma State you know he could end up being a guy that that flames out in three years and never really gets this thing going but um, I do hope that Oklahoma State fans will, will give him some time because I don't think they realize how tough it was to kind of get this program to the place that it it is right now. Like it hasn't been, it hasn't been the easiest thing in the world. So I hope that Oklahoma State fans do give them some time and hopefully uh, we'll have some good news on this. And, and what it'll be like, I think another three months, two months, how long does that take? I think it's, it's two months. After the appeal, you know? it's like 110 days before it commits. So the, the earliest it would be, would be like early October, um, you know, roughly a month before the season starts. And that's who knows when that is. Cause they still got all the other schools appealing the level one violations to get through. So it, you know, that's assuming it it happens within 110 days. It could be longer than that. It could be, it could be March, but it could be April by the time we get to this. And it's like, well, thanks, never mind. Well, you know what, man, the the season might not even start until next April. So at least you had some time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess fingers crossed, then. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, Rob, thank you so much for your time tonight. This has been really fun. We really appreciate the conversation. For anyone that uh, wants to follow your work, where can they do that? Uh, you can find the College Basketball Talk podcast anywhere the podcasts are given away for absolutely free. Uh, and then over at NBC Sports, I run the College Basketball Talks site that they have up there. So uh, either of those two spots are, are good. Thank you so much, Rob. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. This was, this was fantastic. Yeah, no problem, guys.